Today on our show... It's the final part of Eat All The Asses Month. All The Asses. The celebration of eight years of the podcast, where today we're going to count down the top eight films we've seen since the podcast began in March 2015. Let's go, Polly. Welcome to episode 425 of the Countdown Podcast, the best eight of the last eight. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul, and welcome to the podcast. We can down stuff in order of awesomeness, but today, the last one where we're doing the best eight films. This is the creme de la creme, the absolute, what's the word I'm looking for here? The superlatives, the top, the cream, the fucking... The cream juice. of the crop. Yes. That is basically what I just said, like creme de la creme. I don't know. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> That is it for you. We're going to literally specify the best eight films that we think we've each seen since this podcast began. And we got your feedback over in the listener community. Links in the show notes if you'd like to get involved in discussions around the topics at hand. And can I just also say very quickly here, maybe even as we segue into the recount segment. So I'll just press that button. Who wants a recount? Who? 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 Who wants a recount? Who? 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 Who wants a recount? Who? Who? That we were on live stream for the Cure just over this last weekend, and we hope that uh, at least a good portion of you, we do see quite a few listeners there joining us for that amazing experience. We want to give a huge shout out then, live stream the Cure, raising money for the fight against cancer, cancer research, as organised by Nick from Nikolai's Kitchen, Dan from Netflix and Swill, and Gerald from Two Peas on a podcast. These amazing gentlemen raised over 19,000 US dollars for the fight against cancer. And we were proud to have been a part of that. Myself, both uh, on two occasions, and Wayne and I together at the very end. And it was a, a lot of fun and a hugely yeah. successful sequence. I want to thank everyone personally who came along and watched and donated as well. And if you're there, you'll know now that we have a new brand, a new set of merch which is going out there so bit of a plug for that but most importantly the people who were part of Livestream for the Cure will become the first people in the world to own new Countdown podcast merch That's t-shirts right. and coffee mugs and that kind of stuff we'll be dropping some promo soon so big hats off to the gentleman over there for that effort but the other thing we need to put to bed Wayne is who had the superior list ah, yes. of the top 10 TV sorry top 8 TV shows of the last 8 years the second part of 8 All the Asses. This one was much closer than the last week's vote. Much, much closer. But it's still, Wayne, it was a just victory to you. 30 votes to you for more to 25 for mine for episode 23. Okay, The top, I said 10, 10. It should be top eight TV shows of the last eight years. Some of the comments around that then from the man who... (laughs) Julio for the Contrarians podcast, one of the proud owners of a new Countdown merch pack said... uh, Wayne walking away with the pole because he understood the brief when it came to Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's what I lost it for you. Uh, George Conaway said Haunting of Hill House was an amazing show, so he gave me a vote there. Mina Harker, once again, Wayne voting block said, I miss Troy, so he didn't have any idea who voted for put what vote for Wayne. <laughs> Troy Spinner himself said, what, Veep is exceptional TV and a great addition to a list with Win Wayne. Also, you know, Game of Thrones and all. Mm-hmm. Nicole Presley, another contributor to the show, a Patreon, I should say, along with Troy as well, said, uh, look, I'm going with Paul. Maybe it's a pity vote. Maybe it's vindication. <laughs> Who to say? What, did, what, what was that? What oh, was fuck that? off. Vindication! Fuck 
Nicole. Which is exactly the gift Nicole went with. So she knew exactly what she was doing. <laughs> Uh, Michael Thompson. Now, this one I have to read out, Wayne, just in the interest of being fair and balanced. Go on. Once more, Paul has earned my vote simply by not being Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> See? And you think there's a Wayne voting block. Hot damn! There I did say, oh my God, do I have a voting block of one? Squeals. You have many more. <laughs> uh, and then David Powell voted for you as well, again, on the Game of Thrones. And then your cousin, Mike T, said, got 100%. Last season, Paul, yes, but Undernight has been the best show. I do recall Paul saying Balabars was perhaps the best episode TV ever aired. That was, I may have said those very close to those words because it was very, very good. Give us the tits. How far that show hurt me. Well done, Wayne. 30 to 25 win on that one. That's the end of today's recount. Who will win this week's vote? Who has the more popular this choices? Fun. This should be fun. No, I don't think we're gonna, anyone's going to disagree about our eight today. You can't have anything controversial in here. Surely it's not like when you pull fucking dead like me out of your ass, which never spoken about <laughs> once before, and get no one person fucking brought you up on that. That doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. That's ah, just weird that you go eight years holding something in your back hey, pocket. You know, that's hey. what we do. Oh, oh, hey, 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 oh, 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 Eight films of the last eight damn years. Eat all the asses. Part four is the final part is this week's countdown. Wayne, are you ready for us? I'm ready, son. What's up? Are you going to lead us away with? Sure. What's your eighth? This should make you laugh. Oh, shit. My number eight is fucking Top Gun Maverick, baby. Wow. What's up, son? You know what? And I know it's very recent and there's probably some recency bias. I have some recency bias on my list. It's okay. Okay, good. Because here's the thing, everyone. Remember... We all didn't expect this shit to work out. 30 years later, you do a sequel and what? It works? Never happens. Almost. Almost never happens, <laughs> except this time. So Top Gun, not only was it like pushed back 20 times because of the pandemic, not only were we not sure how it was going to go. I remember seeing an interview with Top, with like Tom and Jennifer on like motherfucking Graham Norton or something. And she's like, no, it is. It's really, really great. It's really, of course she's going to say that. All right? Of course she's going to say that. We didn't really think it would be. But then it comes out to be like one of the, fuck it, the best movie that was released that year. Was that your number one last year? Okay, fair enough. I can't remember. I can't remember. But like it was. <laughs> Don't worry about numbers, Paul. <laughs> exactly. Don't ask me to back myself up from uh, previous exactly. years. Exactly. You it's asshole. Right. This is fucking art, baby. What's up? Uh, but yes, no, I actually have shown this film to other people since it's coming out saying, this is a great film. Let's have a watch. And she's like, you're right, this really was a good film. Like, and this is like completely, like, it's, it's un- irrefutable if you ask me. Like, it just hit all of the th- notes perfectly and made it all awesome. I think it's a very, very solid three and a half star film and much better than the original. So I'll give it that. Here's the thing. If it wasn't better than the original, we wouldn't be talking about it because the original was in the 80s, son. And the original, if you've ever watched that film again recently, which I did last year right before this came out, again, it's not very good. You have to watch it in the 80s and be <laughs> the age we were in the 80s to, you know, take my breath away, shit like that, oh all right? My God, that would the never number work. of times that song just comes over the top. With that would anything. never work now, baby. No. It's a different time. It's a different show. And this rose to the challenge. So I think Top Gun Maverick was the fried titties, everyone. <laughs> Golden the only thing better than titties, <laughs> fried titties. Work that one out if you can. All right, my number eight might surprise a whole bunch of people given how down I've been on this series and indeed this universe in the last few years. Please don't let it be a fast movie. <laughs> no, 
you're pretty safe when it comes to that. But back in 2018, the Russo brothers kicked off what was the end of Phase 3 with, I think, the best superhero film, almost one of the best films ever Which made. Which one? Avengers colon Infinity War. Yeah. Slightly low. That's my next one. Okay, nice. Nice. Yeah, look, this knocked it out of the park. I didn't know what I was expecting. Forget to, about it, Paul. To this bring is bomb. All these different threads, which had built up over the previous 10 years, years since Iron Man in 2008, and have such satisfying semi-payoffs, because, of course, there's one more film to come, which is Avengers Endgame, which some people love to the high ends of the universe, whereas I think it's a vastly inferior film to this one. Yeah. This is perfect, having Thanos as the main focus throughout the film, whilst our heroes, they're certainly important and they're floating around, but you get to understand why Thanos is doing You might not agree with wiping out half the universe, but you get where he's coming no, from. No, you sort of throw in with the ideology, if not the execution. Yeah. Because, like, okay, at least his... So he's not just evil for evil's sake. He's no. trying to do something. He's trying to save the rest of the universe and because we're destroying ourselves. There's even talk that when he did the snap and he said, wipe out half the universe, he said, randomly, include me in there. Like, he could have been wiped out, but he just happened to not be. Yeah. Just like the rest of the Avengers didn't. And we didn't ask well, that question. some of them did. Some of them were wiped Sorry, out. Sorry, the main Avengers, right? The, 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 the hardcore, the OG Avengers. Yep. All of them survived. But here's the thing, though, right? The, the thing about the second movie, Endgame, the thing that would make that potentially beat this one is where they all come back, and it's the best moment ever. But in Infinity War, where everything shuts down, like you said, it is Thanos' movie, where they didn't have to do that. It was the most perfectly executed version of that movie ever, because it was just great. It starts with him kicking the Hulk's ass, which supposedly no one could do. Boom! You know? And then this... Killing Loki. Killing Loki. Right out of the gate, he's fucking people. So he, you know that no one's yeah. safe, kind of, right? Which is great. Yeah. Sets it up like, holy shit, him and his whatever the uh, acolytes are. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, they, they were just the shit. They're forces to be reckoned with, and then they are real challenges for our heroes who have swept all before them to this point. And then when it goes through, he's successful. And Vision, and of course Gamora, sacrifices Gamora. Yeah. To enable this to happen, and there's genuine, seemingly genuine regret that he's killing off his favorite, you know, child. Oh no, he paid the price. You know, he's so committed to the cause that he will do all these things. What did it cost you? Everything, mm -hmm. you know, and it absolutely did. Who kills their daughter? And you see the realization on Gamora's face, like, oh, he really does love me. Oh my god. Oh yeah, totally. And that, her even like beating against him when he's dragging her off the cliff is so ungamora like. Because usually she'd be like whipping out blades and shit, but she's like, fuck, he's going to kill me. It was such a huge movie. It's heartbreaking. The move, the, yeah, the moments in it were just unparalleled. And some of the action sequences incredible. And then, yeah, we all fucking hated Star-Lord for his drop-the-ball big moments as and well. And at least he calls that out in the latest Guardians movie. He goes, then I go lost my temper and I almost killed half, of, you know, half yeah. the galaxy. You know, well, I like, did temporarily, yeah. five years or whatever it was. So, yeah, oh. great film, great ending. And, you know, it's the Empire Strikes Back, if you will, of that particular saga. And we've, we've just seen Fast X try to emulate it and do it very, very poorly. Oh, this is fun. what it's done phenomenally well. This is a film I can watch time and again and still be entertained by it. Me too. It's the bomb. It's the bomb. All right. So it's your seven. My seven. Straight back to me. You. Here's where we get to my recency bias. And I think had to be represented, this film series on this list. I think it culminates in one of the greatest, if not the greatest action film of the last. Oh, the only film that comes close or is in that same circle is The Raid. I'm talking John Wick Chapter 4 is oh, my really? seventh. Yeah. Really? And so close to being higher still. They, this film ticked every box, and it's almost a representation of all of them. It's almost like I'm giving the Academy Award to four because 
one, two, three were all stellar as well, but didn't quite win anything. But this one is now winning by making it to my best eight films of the time that we've been doing the podcast. So John Wick 3 is in this group because it's within the last eight years, right? So is two. So is one. So is one. Oh, no, one was 2014. No, one's way over, yeah. yeah. So, so this is the best of the four. I think so. For me, I think the way it culminates, I think the balls that they showed, I'm going to be vague for spoilers on mm. this one. And I think the last hour, hour 20 of this movie is the best hour 20 of action that I've watched on the big Huge screen. Huge call. Huge call. At least this millennium and potentially going further back in time than that. So, you got to be kidding me, man. So good. It's, it is the pinnacle of action cinema in... It was good. The way it's shot, <laughs> how excitingly it was presented, it all sort of coming to a head, the first four films, well, the three and a half films up to that point in time and what it's representing. Keanu Reeves giving an absolutely physically committed performance and the, the side characters who you've come to care about, even those that are introduced here, all fucking hate in the way that you're meant to hate. Mm. This mm. film does it as well as anything. And Stad Stileski is, to my mind, the best current working Action filmmaker. Holy shit. Who's better? I can... You'll see. <laughs> it ain't Christopher McQuarrie. It is definitely Christopher no. McQuarrie. There's no... Is there is no comparison between the I fight... Agree. The action sequences. There's none. Fight choreography, perhaps. Not, but not action. Close. Action. Forget about it. Overall action. Christopher McQuarrie's got your number, baby. Wow. Wow, baby. Wow. I mean, his films have a bit more depth and a bit more whatever else. A lot more depth. But... In terms of pure spectacle, in terms of the action that's on screen, I no. Yeah, but action's more than fight choreography, but okay, all right. Yeah, it, it all can right. be, yeah, there's explosions right. and there's all the rest of it stuff. And um, don't get me wrong, I will agree with you, though, that film series, which I'm also going to talk about, by the way, as am I. is, or has, I should say, some absolutely stellar sequences, but they're not, it's not in the same way. I, okay, maybe I'm being literal with with fight. Well, here's the thing, though. like that And Chad, gunplay. Chad is an ex-stuntman. Yeah. Turned director. So he's going to... On a fight thing, he's going to have that edge. But, like, you know. Anyway, we'll, we'll get into it. In terms of grandiosity, sure, I agree with you. There's, there's grander stunts and, and Most action. Most definitely. Yeah. All right. Fine. What do you got then for your number six? Number six. Uh, this is going to piss you off. Arrival. Wow. Yeah. Arrival is such a great fucking film, everyone. It's <sighs> about... It's about, well, it's got Amy Adams in it, and she's a ranger, and Paul doesn't like her. But <laughs> other than that... Irrelevant, Your Honor. How that struck from the record. <laughs> Amy Adams is a linguistics professor, and she leads this team of investigators when it's gigantic spaceships touch down in like 12 locations around the world. And the movie itself is ostensibly about communication and about a little bit about being psychic and things like that. But what it really asks you is... In its roundabout way, it asks you if you knew what was going to happen and you knew the tragedy of what was going to happen to you, would you let it happen anyway because that's the life you were given or would you try and kind of subvert that? And the main character makes the choice to actually just let it happen. And it, you know, her, her partner, James, you know, what's his name? Hawkeye. He can't, he can't deal with it. And, and it's like, but... For Jeremy it, Renner? Jeremy Renner. <laughs> For him to, but for for a movie to one be so like beautiful looking because Jim didn't even knew doing his thing, two be so also complex in how it shows you that she's interpreting the aliens' the shapes that they put up as their actual the way that they actually uh, communicate, and for her to solve the problem by looking into the future when she has learned this language and take it back now to and then all above all of that thing to ask you that question about your humanity. It is a masterpiece. I just think we need to bed Wayne's discussion here with some of the music from the film and just 
you can decide whether or not I'm having a commentary on how sad this choice is or how sad the film is. Or how sad you are. keep talking well once again paul um gives a shit about the score of a movie which i couldn't give a rat's vagina about until <laughs> i'm actually looking at the movie so if you play it out of context it doesn't really mean shit to me so um i was i was actually kind of done with my thing <laughs> so i don't know what you're gonna want with this uh, but uh yeah uh, arrival all right one of the best films that came out of the last eight years no doubt boo no doubt i'm stunned i had no idea you liked it so much oh, was, yeah. it even, was it even on your what year was that i don't know motherfucker you think i remember <laughs> I'm sure it was though, because I fucking this was, is it was high on your list that year. Okay, I mean it's 2016. It was right at the beginning of the podcast. There's a chance we didn't do that or something. Who knows? But yeah, that's it. So yeah, Arrival is my number six. Okay, did not see that one coming mm-hmm. anywhere. I know lots of people love that film. I thought it was very predictable and eh. really <laughs> predictable, motherfucker. Did saw the end coming a million miles away, and I don't know if I was just on the right wavelength that particular day or, or what it was, but also very long and very boring. Well made, well made. You know, of yeah, course, our mate Dinny, Villeneuve. The fried ass, I can tell you. All right, my number six is the aforementioned Christopher Macquarie directed Tom Cruise starring Mission, colon, impossible, dash, fallout, baby. Oh, man, we're on, we're on some wavelengths right here because that, my friend, is in my list uh, at, at my number five. Yeah. I famously wasn't going to do this advanced screening because it happened to fall on a July wintry cold night here in Australia. And it was decided that my team was going to do Christmas in July where I worked at that point in time. And it was always a good night with some great people. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. I don't really want to watch this movie. But we booked the screening before it was... Anyway, so I said, yeah. I'm coming to the screening. And then I went from the screening to catch up at the very last half hour hour of the, of the, of the party. And people were like, how was it? And I said, worth it. Worth it to miss this shit. That's how good... This movie was. I'm sure, they were very happy with you. Oh, you'd rather watch a movie than be with us? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, I'm fine with that. Anyway, because they, this they movie is worth it. I understood back in 2018, the, the podcast was sort of just finding some legs and really getting some, some traction, yeah. I think is the way yeah, to put it. And so uh, I was sort of committed to that. And it was a bit weird to do a Wednesday night, Christmas in July thing. But anyway, that's what they did. And, but I got to go to this movie and I was stunned from the get go. This film, so entertaining. It's 147 minutes long, feels like 95. Dude, for a... What was it? Is this the eighth in the movie or seventh? Sixth. Sixth, all right? For the sixth film in a franchise best to be sixth the film best. in a franchise, yeah. And I, I do think it's the best. I I know you love fucking the one where they get... Four, I love Ghost Protocol. Yeah, it's not but a patch. That, for, for me, Ghost Protocol is, I don't know, nostalgically beautiful and I love the Brad Birdness of it all. And what I love about Four is that the theme of that movie was that all of our equipment fucked up. So it's very novel and cool. But this here with Superman and motherfucking like helicopters the at the Halo end. jump. And Halo jump. And the Alec Baldwin character arc coming to oh an end. Oh my God, that That was me. cool. And then obviously the, the foot chase. And then we get this amazing action sequence at the very end of the film. Of course, you've got your favorite Rebecca Fergferg. Fergferg in the house. In it. And wow, just excellent from get-go, edgier seat stuff. All the big characters combining perfectly together as well. I'm worried that Dead Reckoning Part 1 can't be a patch on this film. That's my big worry. I'm excited to see it. We're only six or seven weeks away from it coming out, but I'm still like, Ugh, it just can't be as good, can it? No, there's a film that, I, you know, the, the train sequence. I remember posting, seriously? The, f- the first one? No, in Dead Reckoning, they have a train sequence oh, do in they? it, right. right? And I remember posting in, I swear, well before the pandemic, like 20-fucking-19 maybe, right? I saw some Reddit video of some people in a train looking out the window at Tom Cruise sitting on another train in wherever they were. 
Deutsch. So they're homaging the first one, are they? No, well, obviously they're just filming whatever train sequences in this film. But that was back in 2019, bro. This is four years later. This is how much this movie has been yeah, plugged by the, back. By the pandemic, right? yeah. So, like, Tom Cruise literally will look younger in this film than he fucking does now. So, that's how long it's been. So, I think to myself, yeah, this is a play because it's Dead Reckoning Part 1. And presumably, Dead Reckoning Part 2 is the end of the franchise. I don't know. I yeah, you have to say at some point, Tom's going to go, enough's enough. I mean, he's like, is he 60? Not yet, I think. All Very right. close, 59. Look, he's doing great. And all the stunts you see in this movie, the train, the fucking jumping off the fucking cliff with the bike and all of the... That's that, just this movie. We had a screening for whatever it was and they played like this, not even a trailer for this film. They played the, in the on the widescreen in the cinema, they played the making of that. Do you remember? I remember. And the guy sitting next to me, to my right, you're on my left, he was making noises like he was going to be sick as the camera went yeah. out over the top of like, he was like, oh, oh my God. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that was vertigo in that vertigo inducing there, and I'm not sensitive to that kind of stuff. But even there was a moment for me, where I'm like, oh wow, mm, it was grand. We're showing my daughter on on our massive new TV, and even she was like, my daughter's hard to hard to please. She like likes to pull the piss out of anything that, that myself or my wife like. I don't know where she fucking. And she's that. like, wow, that looks so amazing. So she, even she's interested in the whole series now. It's too early for her. She's too young. But I've got four or five years from I've now. I got someone into the series with this with 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 Fallout. Well, we're talking about Dead Reckoning here, but we should come out to Fallout, which is just a beautifully plotted, very impressively put together piece of, of cinema. So tightly woven. Even the, the imaginary sequence where he can he imagines what's going to go wrong and everyone dies. And that's a greatly, brilliantly shot by Christopher McQuarrie. So, yeah. Oh, what a film. I'm, I'm so, so good to talk about these films because now I'm like, oh, you can make, watch that again. Watch that again. I own this one in 4K. It's magnificent. I've, so. I've watched everything from number three onwards in preparation for Dead Reckoning. So, oh, like good on recently, you. So. Actually, i got to watch three again. I, I've still never seen that whole film. because I, I locked out of the cinema for 20 minutes when I was <laughs> went to see it. <laughs> different story for, I'm sure I told it on a different time. Wayne, what's your number five? Oh, that was that was your number that five? That was my number five. Okay, all right. Then back straight back to me. Here's a film which I had hopes for, don't get me wrong. And I was excited by it and I wanted to see it and I was so enthused. But... Even then, it surpassed those expectations. It absolutely blew me out of the water. It brought me to tears in the cinema. I have acknowledged this film as one of the only films that's made me cry. I'm talking about James Mangold's 2017's Logan. Yeah, fair. That's a, it's an honorable mention for me. And only the reason it is an honorable mention is because I don't think I, I think I can only handle watching it once. It's so brilliant. And it's such a perfect end to Hugh Jackman's role as Wolverine. I, I can't do it any more justice than no, saying that. It's amazing. A fantastic performance by Daphne Keane as well as as X23 or Laura in the film and just this no yes she's been a couple other things I can't tell you what off the top of my head she was amazing in a film called Anna which has just popped up in 2020 but yeah not a lot of work from her I thought that they were talking about making her regular character and but of course we now know that the uh, Deadpool well sorry the the mutant films are gone they're going to come back into the MCU at some particular point Mm -hmm. but obviously not with huge Jackman as in that role so this is the thing about Logan, right? The it was an art house film which was somehow mainstream and just making him kill people with his like seeing this snick snicked his claws and stuff like that. But Oh, it was like a did this one come out before Deadpool, I can't remember. But it was an R rated superhero film. And he's yeah, a but, violent character. So but it was filmed violently. Yes. It wasn't the same as the old, you know, when you like cut people up and they just sort of fall away from the That's screen. what I'm saying. We got to yeah. see you got to see the the impact of what his Adamite claws and it was amazing. could do. 
Is that that's what they're called? Adamantium. Adamantium, sorry. Yeah. Adamantium. My apologies. We can see what he was actually capable of, and then to see Professor X, you know, in his that was the worst thing, failing they, years. Yeah. And what happens to him in the film, which is heartbreaking, and then for Logan to just go full fucking, yep, I'm doing this. I'm gonna kill myself to kill to save all these kids. It's heartbreaking and just that moment where they they set up the cross and they turn it so it's made like yeah. an X. Oh my god, it kills me. No, it's, it's it's such a great film and and like not to divert too heavily, Paul, but you got the same director doing indie and we're hearing bad things. Right? Yeah, we're not hearing good reports to start with. It doesn't surprise me. I'm a little bit I am a little I am a little bit disappointed. I guess I'd hoped against hope that the fourth No, we're one hoping for fucking was like an aberration. But this is a shit film as well. This is going to forever tarnish the legacy of Indiana Jones. I'm sorry. You can't have two shit films in a five film franchise and say you're a great franchise anymore. It's gone. So I hope they're wrong. I hope, the I hope they're wrong. I hope to go there and go, no, it was pretty good actually. But like, t- but even yeah. three and a half good films is not going to be, you know what I mean? It's they should have left it the fuck alone. Look, the Last Crusade was just unlike I mean, unlike it was amazing. Top Gun Maverick and maybe unlike another film on, on my list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hats off if they get this right. I just can't see how that many reputable critics could all be wrong. Yeah. No, fair enough. Okay. But Logan, what a film. Absolutely tragic and incredible. And a, it's beautiful. It's well shot. It's perfectly paced. It has some incredible action. And it's a perfect end for this character. Logan is my fifth best film we've seen in the time of the podcast. Very nice. Now, Paul, i got a question for you. What's the cutoff for our eight years? Is it 2015 or is it 2016? March 2015. March 2015. Yep. I knew you'd have to fucking... Is The Revenant in there, Paul? Yeah, well, we reviewed it on the show. That counts. Brilliant. Okay, good. So my number four was The Revenant. Very nice. Uh, honorable mention. <laughs> right. And now this is one of those films where uh, we, at the time, Leo had never had an Academy Award. And we just saw this and said, give him his fucking Academy Award. Because the shit he went through as a vegan himself eating a cow's heart and showing just for the show. Right. Didn't know that. Um, you know, the, the obvious discomfort they were in and them using only natural light to light every scene and us looking at it. Go- I remember just looking at it going, I could just look at a still of this scene and be so quite beautiful. happy. It was the most beautiful thing. And I I remember just thinking to myself, yeah, I don't like... So Inaritu, who's directed Inaritu. that film, I can't remember his regular the cinematographer made it. I'll see if I can find him. Give oh. credit where credit's due. Yeah, but that was it though, right? He just comes around and does all of this shit and he made it work in a way that I remember like just going... I mean, like the story itself, the fact that they diverted from whatever really happened to this actual person, but the fact that it was essentially based on a on a real story was one thing. But for them to have that Emmanuel Lubetsky, I think was that the same his regular guy. I'm not sure. I think so. But even from the like the 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 bear attack, which I did not expect to happen, and for it to work out the way it did, and for him to nurse himself back. That was the most visceral fucking thing I'd ever seen. And then you've got a beautiful movie behind it. And then you've got this whole story about the frontier. God, you want him to get his fucking revenge. You so do. And yeah, it was just in every way. I remember not having walked away from a movie going, well, that's definitely the Oscar winner. Like that, that, that thing there, if it, isn't, if it doesn't win, it's a travesty. Because that is what it's supposed to do. And it's nigh on three hours or whatever. And it I is. still didn't mind it. I know, which is goes against the grain of this it podcast. Absolutely does in so, every way, shape, or form. So yeah. So I mean, yeah, the 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 Revenant. That's my number four. My number four was my favorite film of the year, 2019, that it came out. And I said it came out very early in the year. Actually, 2020. I'm pretty sure it came out for us just on the this side of Christmas. Australian release date, but it came out technically very late in 2019 to qualify for the Oscars. And it was nominated across the board for a lot of Oscars. It is 
120 minute film which is presented as basically one take. I knew this would be in your yeah. thing. 1917. 1917. Unquestionably watched it in January, took my still at that point in time girlfriend slash partner, mother of my child to see it and we watched it together and she loved it too. This is one of the most impressively constructed films you could hope Agree. to see. To put a World War One film complete with all the practical effects that are required as well as CGI effects and then to get Roger Deakins to shoot the absolute fucking life out of this movie in a way of just jaw drops. That fucking flare sequence yeah. when they were walking through the ruined city might be one of the most beautifully haunting and terrifyingly realistic sequences I've ever seen put to camera. Forget Put that. Screen, sorry. What about like the? There's a. I think I posted a video after this happened where they were shooting the scene of the. I want to say the lead, the second lead, one of the guys, running along like the trenches, yep. and obviously they hadn't really choreographed it because people were running into yeah, him he and he's tripped, rolling and stuff yeah, like that. George Mackay playing that role, yep. right? And then there's explosions going off around him, and I don't know if that like how many times would they have done that take and had to reset? You know what I mean? Like it was just. For them to make that the type of movie and the type of scene they do and then still have to cut it so it's one take and that sort of shit, it was so impressive, man. And like, again, honestly, the only, this is an honorable mention for me. The only reason it's not on my list is that I can only enjoy war movies one time. Fair enough. It's that kind of thing. So, but it's absolutely... Glad to hear you acknowledge it. You know, Sam Mendes directed this. It's his, as far as I'm concerned, his piece de resistance at this point in his career. I hope he can go better and further and, and make a better film. But <coughs> Skyfall. This so, is, yeah. It's <laughs> not even close. Not even, I know I don't have the, the James Bond sort of bent to my appreciation there, but yeah, 1917 is one of the very few five-star films in my life. And even though technically what I have at three and two aren't ranked five stars, I think I'm going to have to bump both of those two up because they stood the test of time and yeah. they are both super impressive as you're about to hear. Wayne, what's your number three? My number three is Baby Driver. Yeah, honorable mention. Honorable mention. I suppose it actually wasn't in your thing. Very um, close, very close. And uh, uh, the only reason, the only reason why I'd say the one bad thing about it, the end sucks. Yeah, it didn't bother me. Like the uh, uh, Baby Driver a itself. Better ending, a bit more balls than the ending. Five star film would be in my five star film. Yep. See, this is the thing. Baby Driver itself is about essentially this. Um, I guess he's a spectrumy kind of getaway driver who is most strong armed by Kevin Spacey into doing jobs for you know bank robbery wheelman jobs. The movie itself is, you know, has its own plot and fine, and Paul has a little issue with the end, fine. But it's the craftsmanship of the film, uh, making it that kind of cool thing where, you know, there's diegetic sound. Everything's in happening it. to music. Everything's happening to music. There's even little moments like when he comes in, you know, th- it does things with you, like when he's walking along the street, like posters and, posters and stuff are referring to the music that's playing in his head or whatever that he's listening I've to. Listened to, yeah. And even when like the the girl the the love interest comes into this into the you know coffee shop, you see a sweep of the wall behind her, and it's got like a mural on it, but there's a heart and it's not filled in. Then they cut to her, and in the same shot they swing back to the same mural, and the heart has red. How good is that? Because he's fallen in and love. And no now. one ever says it. No one says or draws your attention to it. You just got to pick it up there. as you go. That's, exactly. That's Edgar Wright. Who that is. Is, deep, deep film has never made a bad film to this point in time in his career. And as much as I don't like Last Night in Soho, like some of his other films, I love still, Last Night in Soho. Still a great film. It's still meticulously crafted. The man's a, a fucking certifiable genius, as far as I'm concerned. No, no, you're right. He's a creative genius for no doubt, boo, no doubt. So yeah, Baby Driver, number three. Very nice choice. Very nice choice. Some great action in those sequences as well. Some of the driving, the some driving, of the stunt driving. Holy shit! I don't know how much they added in CGI by having, making a wall a bit closer than what it was, and when they spin around through no, the spinning laneways. through and all that—that that oh. was real. Was it? Yeah, Even, I looked oh, it up. I wonder if the walls were as close. But anyway, regardless. 
looks, looks spectacular. Amazing. Looked amazing. Yeah, fucking fantastic film. Great choice. Well done, sir. My number three is unquestionably one of the greatest horror films that I've ever seen. It is one of the absolute best zombie films I've ever seen. Probably my second favorite zombie film of all time. It's the only foreign language film entrant on my list. I joked last weekend when we did live with the cure that I should be being paid money by these people to have marketed it because I was one of the first people that was lucky enough to see it in this part of the world and I championed it from the every high building, i.e. this microphone that I could. I'm talking about from out of South Korea, train to Busan. This high. Man. Directed by Yon Sang Ho, who's done nothing in remotely as fucking good, including the sequel Peninsula, which is fine, but a disappointment compared to this perfect, perfect film from 2016. You're kidding. It This is high. Yeah, man. It is. Wait, it what is, is okay, so every so you've seen every zombie film on the planet? Yes, I mean, you have. That's an exaggeration. Yes, you have. But yeah, I've yes, seen a lot of them. And what is it that sets this apart to make it your favorite? One, incredibly well filmed. The idea of putting it on a train and like and limiting to what you can do inside space. the train, sure. the space wise. Whereas Yong Sang Ho finds ways around that, the way the camera moves and glides. More importantly, it's the threat, it's the characters. Any good horror film has to have characters you give a shit about. Right. This film has many, many, and a fucking detestable, hateable cunt. Mm-hmm. Who you want to die so badly, so it ticks those boxes as well, mm-hmm. and it's unpredictable. This film, you don't know who's going to make it out, and you don't know who's going to make it out from scene to scene, and that's really anyway. important in yeah. terms of for me for a horror film. If I can accurately predict, that's the final girl, that's the guy that she's going to be with at the very end, and everyone else is that one's going to die first because of this. That's shit, yeah. or at least it's not satisfying. This film, wholly satisfying. When when certain characters fall. I challenge you not to feel something in this movie because mm. you've watched it. I think I haven't. No, you didn't. I watched a couple of Korean films. This is the one <sighs> I, I, I would love for you to watch. I think you would genuinely enjoy this movie. Right. 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 This, not that's not trolling you, not having a go. No, could happen. I think this film. So part my wife, she liked this movie. Whoa, she appreciated. It. I mean, she's got a bit of a soft spot for zombies, which is weird because she hates horror. But she married you, so <laughs> she has said something. She has said something. My point is though that like this film transcends the traditional call it caveats of the zombie genre or a horror film genre the only thing that stops it from being a perfect film is some of the effects are a bit over ambitious because these things just run at you they're not they're not like slow they are fast zombies and so they just run at you in waves and some of that's done by cgi and it doesn't look brilliant so that's it though but otherwise i can't fault this movie it's so awesome and so thrilling and so frightening in places and it probably helps the fact it's largely about a father and his daughter and you want the daughter to get through alive, and the father's doing everything he can to make it happen, even though he's not been the greatest father at that point in time. So it will speak to parents out there mm. too, maybe on an extra level than what you can. Subversion and high class. Yeah. Well done. No, yep. fair enough. Number Look, three for I mean, me, Train to Busan. All right. Hey, which they are remaking, by the way. The guy who directed Timo Tamancho, or something, I can't remember, he's, 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 he's an Indonesian director who did The Night Comes for Us. He's remaking it, and it's called Last Train to New York. Wait, I want to say American It's going to be English film, language. Is it Hollywood? Well, I think so. I think it's a major studio. The fact Shit. it's taken this long to get this far, I'm a little bit surprised by So Maybe it will never get off the ground, but it's it's actively a project that's going on at the moment. All right. Well, I can't wait for you to review that one. <sighs> it's going to have to live up to the No, this is it. you'll hate it. You'll definitely hate it. So Probably anyway. will. Probably right. will. Okay. Well, my number two, and this is definitely going to be on your list, it's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. My number two is Spider-Man, colon, Into the Spider-Verse. See, here's the thing, right? Because it's such a local list. Last eight years, eight shows, and we're talking about our show. I'm not surprised it's this similar. We're not having this many wrong. 
I'm going to just jump in here. And Please, just jump in. This is the best animated film of all time. Full stop, done. Over to you. Yeah, I wish I could say to you that... What? I'm trying to think of... Yeah, you're right. It is. It I is. love Toy Story. We all know, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, how much how important Toy Story is to me, how much I love that series of films, how I will welcome any more Toy Story entrants into the universe. But this film did something that I've never seen before, and I guess Toy Story did too, but I don't know how it's going to go again. Like... It was a superhero film which had pathos. It looked absolutely incredibly different than anything I'd ever dude, seen before. Dude, dude, it, it The reason this thing is there is it had the story. It had the heart. It had everything. It but was on top funny. of that... It was all the things... I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it's, the only way I'm comparing this is Toy Story is Toy Story. And, and Spider- They're well, animated films. I guess what I'm trying to say is this is Toy Story for the next generation. Yes, Toy Story was of its time groundbreaking. All right? But now what yeah. you've got is that all of the kind of technology for CGI is already here. So all we have left to impress and, and, and kind of subvert people is style. And you're now going, this film here has style coming out of its ass. Like it's, it's showing, like it looks like a comic in some places. It looks like something else in some places. It's got it's like stills. Um, devices. Scene, still uh, scenes. Stills from like comics. Yeah. Something cut in there. It, for someone to be visionary enough to go, I'm going to do it like this and I'm going to make it work and then convince everyone to say this is an unusual looking animated film and it's got all of the things you need for it to do with the Miles Morales. Yeah, I think Miles Morales is a great character. I think he's just so inherently likable. And making Kingpin that big, that it's surreal and it still works. And killing off the Spider-Man, his universe, that was unexpected. Dude, it Holy was... Holy shit, like, we're playing for stakes here. Suddenly, I know I was talk about this again a lot, but for me it matters that I want to care about these characters and worry about them. If it's just like, eh, the fast fucking franchise where everyone's just going to live, who cares, no matter if they die, definitely 100%, no, they didn't. Ah, they're back. This film killed someone and never brought them back. And you could argue that because it's a multiverse-type film... That's the... That's the that it had the right to do that, but it didn't do it. You know what I mean? It, it, you could easily well, bring no, it someone did, back. It did, it did bring a, a Spider-Man back, a different Spider-Man. Yeah, but, but like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, the, the, the Chris Pine one didn't. Like, it's like, oh, yep. shit. So this is, um, there's never really been anything like this, and I can't imagine what they're going to do for the next one. I cannot wait. We, are, we have an advanced screening coming up in a week and a half's time from the time of this recording, and I am so excited. No, it was huge. That, Mission Impossible, John Wick 4, they were my three big, big films. I think all the ones I was anticipating are, are out, or will be out with this one. Oh, so excited. Even my daughter, again, to reference her, when I said, oh, it's coming out, I'm going to see it early, she goes, oh, can we not see it together? I'm like, of course we can. Of course, we can of course see we'll together. see it together next day if you want to because I know this film is going to fucking kick ass. Whereas I'm a bit worried about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. I think this film is a guaranteed banger. No expectations kill us. Cannot wait. Hang on, Paul. I'm just you for- oh, oh, my God. For your role, man. We don't know what's going to go. But like, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, would you argue that, would, do, do you think, a lot of people say this, it's the best Spider-Man movie yes. ever. Yes, unquestionably. Not oh, even close. What, what comes close to it? Homecoming. Nah. Homecoming, Homecoming is good. Don't get me wrong. Four-star film. Love it. This film, I'm doing it. I'm doing it now. I'm elevating it. It's into my top 15 films of all time. It's five stars. Five stars for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Damn, motherfucker. All right. So that's it. So we're now back to you for your one, son. Or no, to me. No, back to you for your number one because I just volley-volleyed you. So give us your countdown or run back through one of your eight through two and then reveal your best film that you've seen in the last eight years. Dear God, if it's not mine... It won't be yours. Oh, for fuck's sake. How are you not have my top one on your list? Because that's this show, Paul. Oh, fuck you. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Number eight, Top Gun Maverick. Seven, Avengers Affinity War. Six, Arrival. Uh, Arrival. Five, Better than mineable one. What oh, a yeah, bunch of damn shit. Damn, yeah. Damn, yeah. Five, Mission Impossible Fallout. Four, The Rene- Re- The... 
the, the Revenant. What? The Revenant. Um, <laughs> three, Baby Driver. Two, Spidey into the Spider-Verse. And one is the Shape of Water, baby. What? It is the Shape of Water. This Take is it a, back. Bro, this film is off the chain fucking amazing. Because it shouldn't have worked again. The story is a woman falling in love with a fish man. Okay? It is both weird and wonderful. You're not a fish man. Dude, I don't want to fuck these people. I am amazed to watch the fucking, okay? It's a Del Toro-esque blackness. The whole film is coated in this ocean-like green and blue. But I'm saying to you that I saw this film as ridiculous. Can you imagine pitching this film, Paul? Because this is the reason that they give Del Toro be, like, movies like Hellboy and shit, okay? They go, I know you're going to do a bunch of Hellboys, but you're going to do A Shape of Water. And then you go to the studio and say, it's a fish man, he fucks his chick, uh, the movie looks like an ocean, Michael Shannon loses his fingers, there's some gross bits in it, and then boom, boom, boom. Oh my god. Dude, it this is an amazing, is... amazing film, and that shouldn't have worked, but it worked in space. I don't even remember you liking it that much when we reviewed it. Then you're misremembering it. I, be, I, remember, I, I remember talking about this, and you. I think you gave me the same reaction, like, fuck you! So... What was weird to me about this is that you got the lead character who's the girl who is disabled in that she's mute, all right? But the movie is not scared to sexualize her immediately by showing her slapping the tuna in a fucking bathtub. And that is... Starts to make sense. No, 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 no. (laughs) That's very important because then by the end of the movie, it being a love story and a physical love story with a fish man... Wayne chose slapping the tuna is a very (laughs) accurate reference. But here's the thing. The, The merman, if he's having sex with the mute girl... You, as an audience member, are prone to thinking, is he taking advantage of her because she's disabled? But because she already was sexualized to start with, it made it okay, and even you're rooting for them, so to speak. So that is... To to pull that trick in a movie, especially one like this, it's set in the fucking 50s, and it looks the way it looks... Fucking amazing! This is an amazing triumph of cinema. I'm telling you right now, man. It's the bomb. My, there you go. My worry is, Wayne... Yes. Here's your psychoanalytic element to this. Yeah, go ahead, Trinky. My worry here is that you have identified so heartily with this film, so wholly Mm. with it, that uh, I need to emphasize something to you. Go on. You're much more lovable than a merman. (laughs) Oh, you think that I think I'm the freak and that I can't believe a woman would love me? Yeah, pretty much. I understand. Which which is why you jump from bed to bed to (laughs) affirm. You know in the latest Guardians film, she says to Quill, you jump from bed to bed. Sorry, you you jump from women from from woman to woman like a toad, jumping from toadstool to toadstool. But I say learn to swim. I was like, I was like, oh look at that, that's interesting. Yeah. I just thought about it, you know. Yeah, I was like, I was like, anyway, psychology. that has absolutely stunned me. If you had said, Paul, give give you ten guesses what Wayne's favorite, I would never have gotten that. Really? Nah. Yeah, it's because Inception was too early. So you know. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Inception was too early. Can't does not count. Would also be on my list. Uh, all right, counting down my eight through two. Eight, Avengers, colon, Infinity War. Seven, John Wick, Chapter Four. Six, Mission, colon, Impossible, hyphen, Fallout. Five, Logan, four, 1917. Three, Train to Busan. Two, Spider-Man. I'm sure there's a colon in there. Into the Spider-Verse. And my number one, unquestionably, is the other film, which after 30 years came back and just did the life of the podcast. Oh, it's fucking... Yeah, Mad Max, yeah, colon, yeah, Fury yeah. Road, baby. <laughs> Look, it's great, but it was never going to be my number one. <laughs> I can't believe it's it's not on your list ahead of Arrival and shit like that. It's very, I've only seen it once, I'll be honest with you. What? Yeah. I've well. seen... Dear God, I've seen this one more times than I can possibly count. Oh, the loads you fucking shot to this thing, no doubt. I can only imagine how many. Yeah, I'm not even going to acknowledge those people out there say, it's just fucking they turn around and come back because, you know, what, fuck you. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> because this is otherwise 
the amount of detail, care, and craftsmanship that's gone into this movie, quite aside from the absolute stellar action sequences, which are right up there. We're talking top three, top four of all time. It is creating this Charlie's Theron character, Imperator Furiosa, who's now going to have her own film coming out next fucking year with Anya Taylor-Joy in the lead role. It's a mm. prequel story, again, directed by George Miller after it's been held up for all these years by legal red tape. And let's not forget, the thing that I liked about this film is that it has an oddly Australian sensibility to its action because George Miller did the thing, right? Yeah. It looks a bit like the the the, the, Mad, the second Mad Max where... Of course it does. Like with the guy with the guitar and everything. It's very weird. That but guy, very, awesome. This, the idea of these dudes who are, you know, chroming to, to get to Valhalla and yeah. the, the war boys. So cool. As well. the, I think that's what really speaks to me as I almost spittle everywhere was... It's not just the action, which is magnificent. It's not just the connection of Max and Furiosa and how they come together. It's not just Tom Holkenberg's score, which is the absolute best that we've I've have listened to in the last ten years. Yeah, the score unquestionably, <laughs> and we'll round out this episode again, probably for the sixth or seventh time in the course of the podcast history. It's the fact that there's so much nuance in what we're seeing on screen. You see the culture of the different. The intricacies of the different cultures as they come up. So, you know, there's the S and M dudes who, you know, one dude's got like fucking nipple clamps on and and you know, the, the boss man or whatever he's from, and that they're yeah. all about pain and this one's all about this and whatever. It's just it's not in your face. You've got to glean it by watching it the more that you do, and then you pick up more and more stuff. I definitely haven't picked going up through and then once. so good. And Tom Hardy and, and Charlie Theron fucking hated each other. The stories are still legendary about how much they disliked each other. The stories are legendary are how troubled the production was yeah. as well. And yet somehow what comes out on screen is perfect. Their an- antagonism towards each other until this begrudging respect builds. It's all there on the camera. And I, yeah, I, this is pure cinema. This is how good that storm fucking was early in the film that they go into. It was looking cool. It looks so amazing. And then, again, we, we talk about it a lot, but... I just hope I've got one-tenth of George Miller's talent and sensibility if I am lucky enough to reach 70 years of age. Dude, for that guy to be swinging like this at that age, that's... that's And he could do it again when he's like 77 or 78, where the fuck he is now, Furiosa, so... Oh, my God! I'm already telling you what my number one most anticipated film in 2024 is. It's Furiosa, because my number one film in the eight years this podcast is Mad Max colon Fury Road. Wayne, tell us your honorable mentions. Uh, Molly's Game, loved it. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, big yeah, fan. Good film. Rogue One. Uh, wow. Free Solo, which I thought might 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 jump in your little Ooh, list there. Free Solo is very good. Shit, I forgot about that, I have to be yeah. honest. Because uh, I saw it after the year that I it came out, so it didn't make my top. Yeah. Oh, shit. Sorry, Avengers Infinity War. I think you would slide off at that point. Really? Yeah, yeah I'm glad you didn't. And uh, fucking Deadpool. I really love Deadpool. Deadpool's great. Great fun. Weirdly enough, you've got none of my mentions on your list. Uh, then, of course, The Revenant. Uh, the Suicide Squad, thought it was very, very good. Had a lot of fun yep, with that movie. Yep. All Quiet Western Front, don't think you've seen that one. I have. What did you think? It Look, it, it was good. It was really long. It's harrowing. But, like, yeah, for, as foreign films go, yeah, pretty Fantastic great. Film. Baby Driver, aforementioned It, colon, chapter one. Mm-hmm. We don't need to talk about chapter two. A Quiet Place. Yep. Tenant, I know you hate it. Don't care. I really? Tenant is up here. It's right there. For, it's my top 20 we've ever watched Look, this it's, show. It's one of those weird things where it's so watchable, but I dislike the fact that it made no sense. Okay. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, and my last one is Midsommar. There we are. It could be hereditary very close. There's a couple of years here where like my top, my, my number five was like vying for a spot on this list. I'm like, how does that even work? Because some years were better than others. That's how it works. Hmm. No, it's, it's a finicky list, but that's how this show goes. That's our list. What about yours? Wrap up every episode of the Countdown Podcast with your feedback on the topic at hand and segment that we call 
well, for the last time, listener feedback. Listener feedback. Uh. <laughs> All right, kicking off this week's listener feedback with Johnny Davidson, top level patron to the show. He had had one gif, and it was a gif of Maverick looking very smug. Why? Because oh, of course, Top Gun Maverick Word was up, his son. pick. Word up. Joey DeCarlo, one of the hosts from the Always Podcast, who did an absolutely hilarious bit on live stream for the Cure this weekend just gone, where he was drinking, believe it or not, ranch dressing flavored soda. Dude. And looking like he was going to vomit. No shit. Think, I'm pretty sure he did vomit a few times that off, like off camera Damn. for every $10 donation they received. So well done, Joey. Here's number three, Malignant. Uh, do you know that one? Yeah, did we not watch that one for the show? Where fuck no? Where it's directed by James Wan and okay, okay, no. Yeah. Uh, number two, Avengers: Colon Infinity War. Number one, The Force Awakens. Fight me. Ooh, yeah. Look, that one was the best of the three. Ah. Yeah, yeah, um, unquestionably. Brad Hargis, as of course Brad from the Cinema Guys podcast. We have that Brad. Brad, we need to get you on the show. We need to return this favor. I've been on their Patreon before. Number three, Blade Runner 2049. Mm. Number two, Mad Max Fury Road. Number one is, of course, the greatest film of our generation. That's Psycho Gorman. What's that? <laughs> it's a low-budget indie film, which uh, you've not okay. seen, okay. which is very funny and, and a good film indeed. Francis Booker had number three, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Really? So, so good. Dealing with the adult concepts of death and aging in an emotional, entertaining way. Just great fun. Well Watch worth a watch, out. man. Well Watch worth a watch. Out. Number two, A Star Is Born. Sorry, Paul. It's a magnificent and emotional noticing a trend here. Yeah. If you watch this and don't feel yeah, anything, you're dead inside. It's great and got the whole cinema teary. Uh, and I said, don't, don't apologize to me. That's a good film. I, yeah. I liked it. Number one, Avengers Infinity War, the peak of the Marvel franchise. Nothing has been as good and then you were so well done. It was an incredible experience to watch. Can't argue me with either. any of that. Hi, little patron of the show, Chris Gini. Thank you for all your support over the years. Chris said, number three, Top Gun Maverick. Number two, The Revenant, The I Wayne. Number one, 1917. Boom. Yes. David Powell, of course, another top little patron of the show, and co-host of the We Watch The Thing podcast these days. The Endless, Benson and Morehounds. Morehead, sorry, greatest ever. Number two, Wayne, here you go. Vote for you. Arrival, one of the best sci-fi films ever. Word. And number one, Freaks Out, the best mutant superhero movie ever made that no one saw because it had... Subtitles. Freaks out. Freaks out. Yeah, that's a big, okay. big, huge call. Nicole Davis had triple R. I know there are some political and cultural issues with it, and of course, it's absurdly it's over the top. But damn, if it isn't a relentlessly entertaining popcorn movie. Agree completely. Number two, Mad Max Fury Road is suddenly composed and photographed and has more substance to it than just one long car chase. Damn right. And number one, interestingly, Mandy. This is also the best movie-going experience I ever had. Whoa. Midnight screening, opening weekend with a theater full of art house veterans who were drawn for whatever the director wanted down. Sorry for whatever the director wanted to throw at us. We were not disappointed. Nick Cage. Huh. The one where he goes on the chainsaw rampage. Damn. Connell McNeil's patrons of the show as well. So the Banshees of Inishiran at number three, Hereditary at number two, and Spotlight at number one. Wow. Good film. Very, very good film. Josh Raglan, another patron of the show, said Coco at number three. Yeah. Number two, Jojo Rabbit. Woo. Ooh. And number one, excellent, excellent choice, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. There he goes. Last couple to round it out there. Nicole Presley, another patron of the show. Gosh, boys, I hope you both feel better soon. Thank you, Nicole. I think we are on the mend, though oh, not 100% there yet. voices and as shit as last week. Yeah. Thanks for still creating content even while sick. And God, there were some truly incredible movies since 2015. She had Everything Everywhere All at Once, mm. The Martian, great film as well. Sure. And I have no idea too many good ones. I guess I'll say The Last Avengers, since part of that movie is a global communal experience of it, and that enhanced how good the movie was. Endgame, yeah. Yeah, Endgame, very nice. Jonas Lander, another patron of the show said, thank you again for all the supports of all the patrons, said, number three, The Northman, what can I say? Hamlet is the play that got me into Shakespeare and this is the great 
pre-telling and I'll watch because of this very pod. Oh, thank you, John. That's awesome. Wow. Number two, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Like into the Spider-Verse. I swore up and down that Spider-Man 2 was the best of Spider-Man movies and one of, if not the best superhero movies, then this came along. And to wrap it up on the correct note and the note which Wayne should have had it on, <laughs> number one, Mad Max Fury Road, clearly the listener choice, a nearly perfect movie, and the non-CGI visuals are just so awesome. <laughs> Wayne wow. missing out Can't yet. imagine uh, why you landed dead. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to everyone for joining us today for this end of the celebration of eight years of the podcast. I think I speak for Wayne and I both when I say, it's incredible we got this far. I'm amazed, as you are. <laughs> As anyone who listens to the show for more than five episodes might be amazed. But we have a ton of fun doing it. And it's because basically because you all, apart from we get to hang out and do our thing. But no, it's pretty much for you guys. It's because for real. you all get involved and give us feedback and reinforce our shit. Absolutely. And I'm not sure there's any other better way of putting it than wrapping it up on that note. Wayne, how did the good folk get in touch with us to do exactly that? Reinforce our shit. Google the Countdown Podcast and get all our socials. Uh, send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com or check out our website, thecountdownpodcast.com. I think I've already talked about the Facebook listening community. No need to do that one again. So just follow the show on Podbean where we host and you know like the episodes there and do all that stuff to help us rise up rankings. Of course, hey, Apple Reviews, if you're new to the show and you've not given us an Apple Review, you do us a world of good by giving us a high five-star review because people just ask for that stuff. Because uh, apparently <laughs> if you get four stars, it's a really bad sign in, Is in, that so? in podcast world. It's weird. Like, you know, give films a rating, yeah, three stars, that's solid. No, don't do that in the podcast rating. I didn't know that. Wayne, what are we doing next week for episode 426 then? Having done a whole bunch of movies and TV in the last month, let's get away from that. Yeah, we're going to do this thing where we talk about some weird shit that happened to us or people we know. The actual show is called Top 5 True spooky encounters. Ooh. Yeah, all this weird shit that we can't quite explain and we don't know what happened and frankly made it shook us to our bones. We're going to talk about five of those stories each on next week's show. That's it. There you are. So if you've got a story you want to share with us, you can do so it, in man. the Facebook list community. As I said, link is in the show notes. But thank you so much again for joining us today and for this last month of eating all the asses. Oh. I hope your breath is not as stinky as Wayne's. We will. <laughs> My name is Paul, I should say. My name is Wayne. And this has been The Soundboard. All of your arguments are like my asshole, man. Well, there we are again. Reference to Wayne's asshole. We'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya. This is Jam Hot.